Did 2021 leave you feeling exhausted or on edge? Or maybe you'd even go so far as to say 2021 was your worst year ever. You're not alone. Stress, anxiety, and depression are all on the rise. And some of us may even be experiencing symptoms of a form of post-traumatic stress that's being called post-COVID stress disorder. In today's episode, we say goodbye to 2021. We share a little bit about why it wasn't the year we thought it'd be. We explain what post-COVID stress disorder is, and most importantly, give you five tips to prevent 2022 from becoming yet another dumpster fire. Let's dive in. We were going to bring you this episode on the last Thursday of 2021. But as we learned, we have to roll with things in 2021, and that was not what last Thursday wanted us to do. Apparently not. No. And so this is going to be our first episode of 2022. Yeah. So happy new year, everybody. Happy Thank new year. Goodness. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to see 2022. Uh, uh, what do you think my answer is? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're like. Could not wait. I've been waiting for this day. Not that I think I have stellar expectations, but just nice to turn a page. Exactly. Um, and this is an episode I really pushed for because, well, primarily because by spring, by like late March, mid-April, 2021 had beaten me down so much that I was like just hanging on by a thread. Yeah. I, and I have never quite been to that point where life has just thrown me so many things at so many times and I really felt very isolated and it wasn't until I put a poll on my story I remember and that maybe it was late April or Mar or May and it was something like who else is so over 2021 already and I really thought I was you know I was going to get comments about me and negative or, or that kind of thing and I really hate to be one of those complainer people um so I was not pleasantly surprised, but it was very comforting to know that I was in good company because the majority, I want to say it was like between 70 to 80% of the people who responded said, I'm with you. I'm so over this year, over 2021. And it was at that point that I started to realize, okay, this isn't just me. Like I felt very isolated until that point. Um, this isn't just me that's having a really, really crappy year. Um, I think everybody's feeling like that. And then I started to talk to some more mom friends and it was it's everybody. It became very apparent 2021. We are all really suffering. Yeah. Yeah. It, it well, it, it, it also was hyped up to be like pretty fantastic. Well, I know, but I, I didn't, um, I wasn't really buying into that. Um, oh yeah, I agree but, with you. But so I was—I don't feel like I had super high expectations for 2021. I mean, we still had COVID, we still do. But um, it was just a year where I felt like it wasn't just like a eh, average year, not great year. It was more like bam, 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 just life coming at you. Yeah, we for a I lot mean, of people, including myself. We started we turned it into a running joke. Remember? Like how many times on this podcast have we talked about how you basically just like took your checkbook and, you know, burned it? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, that and was it just, wasn't just financial. Yeah. That was, was just the financial aspect of 2021. It wasn't just, the, <laughs> it wasn't just financial, but like that was one of our running jokes. Like, oh yeah, Carolyn, take your purse off the ground. Don't put that there. Yeah. Well, and one of the positive things, this sounds very negative and, um, but I promise it's not, we're going to, this is actually part of one of the tips we're going to give you later, but is, you know, in April, when I hit that low point, I just, decided to have no expectations for the rest rest of the year not in a negative or bad way but just like give up control no expectations and it really allowed me to roll through the rest of the year dealing with a lot of more major events like mom having a heart attack and and deal with it better so and we're going to come back to don't don't give away too much yeah don't give away too much I'm not don't give away too much but but so the thing is, is that per your usual, Carolyn, I feel like when something goes awry and especially if we decide that we want to make it a podcast topic or an article, you are like, okay, I'm going to dig in and find some reasons why. So we're going to talk about why. Well, we might yeah, because be this, this is so crazy of a year. I was like, okay, you know, you pushed me to a point. I'm going to find something in research yeah. to explain this. And we did. We did. But also the other thing that you found was that anybody else like so you have a good following on social media. Right. And you get a lot of engagement. Um, but if somebody out there is listening and they're like, oh, OK, well, this is probably just like, you know, Carolyn and Briarly's like, you know, friends and inner circle or whatever. Um, in fact, no, actually, we found a national poll that pretty much agreed with our assessment of 2021. So yeah, should we go through the stats? Yeah, let's go through it. All right. So in this one national poll, um, in 70% of voters, I guess that was how they polled registered voters. But anyway, 70% said that 2021 was a bad year for our country. 55% said that it was a bad year personally. Now, those percentages are improved over the stats for slightly 2021. Improved. Slightly improved. But from you, 2020. Yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. Slightly for 2020. From 2020. Yeah. But you compare but what that, I think is, yeah, go ahead. You compare that to 2019, and it's like a massive difference. So in 2019, 38% of registered voters said that 2021 was or sorry, said that 2019 was bad for our country. Compared to 70%. Compared to 70% in 2021. And then, then, 26% said that 2019 was a bad year personally, compared to 55% saying 2021 was a bad year personally. So, like, marked, marked difference. In those yeah. statistics. Especially when you compare it to 2019, I think. Yeah. Um, there was another poll that found that half of Americans are calling 2021 the worst year of their lives so far, which is pretty shocking. Yeah. When you think back to 2020. Yeah. But half of Americans are calling it the worst years of their lives. Um, millennials, those who are 25 to 40, were the most dismissive of 2021, the most over it, um, with 66 for saying it was a really hard year. Um, the other 62% of Gen Zers, those 18 to 24, 
said it um, agreed with that. 43% of Gen Xers, 41 to 56, shared it was a bad year as well. Um, and what I found interesting is they also looked, told, got some, I guess it's not demographics, but got some background on the people. And when they asked the people that they polled about their overall outlook on life, nearly eight in 10 respondents described themselves as optimists. So these aren't negative people to begin with, which made me feel a lot better because yeah. I'm very much glass half full. I really hate complainers um, or feeling sorry for myself. Um, so I was really struggling this for with for a while. So I really connected when I saw that, you know, eight out of 10 of these poll respondees said they considered themselves optimists. So it, you could tell it was like a very... Um, kind of new or different thing for them to say, this is the worst year of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't the negative Nancy's. They weren't the Karen's, you know, no, they, no. they were the, like, we got this, you know, we're going to bootstrap it. We're going to take a good approach. And yeah. And then they also said that 2021 was the worst year of their life. Yeah. You know, and I think some people may say, well, we just had too high hopes for 2021, but I don't necessarily, I mean, think that's the case. Yes, 2020 was horrible, but I think we had hopes for 2021, but I don't think we had unreasonable expectations. We knew there'd be some re-entry. And so I don't think it's a simply a case of we had all these grand visions and expectations in 2021. And that's why we're so disappointed. Do you? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think we did expect that like with, you know, with vaccines and better understanding COVID that things would definitely improve, um, you know, and, and depending on, depending on the way your year played out, maybe it didn't, it did improve. I mean, I know for me in many ways, things, things in life improved, but we are very much still living in a world where like the, the stress of the pandemic you know, is lingering constantly. Well, that is a great segue into what I found in research. I didn't even, I didn't um, even try to tee it up, but yay. You're so good. But um, so more than two years into this pandemic now, and along with that, during those two years, we've had lots of political and social unrest. Because of that, studies have shown increases in stress and anxiety um, with some experiencing symptoms of post-traumatic stress or what has now been termed post-COVID stress disorder. And so that's what we're going to focus on because I think PTSD um, seems like something, um, you know, that you associate with veterans with very, very, you know, traumatic you know, events. Um, um, but I think we are neglecting to realize that maybe, you know, this wasn't a single traumatic event, you know, but it was a prolonged, um, just kind of steady traumatic event. And that seems to be the basis for, I think, where a lot of issues in 2021 kind of came from or rippled from. 
Well, and and I think, too, like, the more and more you and I talked about this topic, like, we felt at first a little uncomfortable talking about PTSD um, because it is it is very in my in my mind, there's it's very tied into like veterans. And I don't want to take away from that trauma and the results of of PTSD. But also, you know, I just didn't, part of it also was just my own ignorance that, that, you know, you helped me realize that, you know, PTSD is, is pretty broad. Like it, it's, it, it has a lot of other people can experience PTSD from completely different things. And in a way, you know, just the way that COVID has kind of helped bring mental health issues more into like common conversation. I think that, you know, hopefully this will destigmatize PTSD. I mean, that would, that would be my positive outlook yeah. on it that like, can we destigmatize PTSD with this, you know, this post COVID stress disorder? Yeah. And there's a trend to drop the D in PTSD and just call it PTS um, in an effort to reduce the stigma. But um, and to consider it more of an injury. Yeah. Now, this isn't to um, take away from what, um, you know, people have some very significant PTSD. But I'll tell you, in all honesty, that where this came from is I was diagnosed with PTSD this fall, which I was like, what? But I was very embarrassed. A few people that I told, I was very embarrassed to tell that to because I didn't, I wasn't in battle I hadn't gone overseas or I mean, like I hadn't earned that title I felt like so I felt more comfortable using PTS yes it's just post-traumatic stress but however you want to look at it um it, it's coming from some it's a disorder that develops in people who experience a shocking scary or dangerous event and this can be something really significant and severe like combat natural disaster car wreck or sexual assault, but it can also come from things like not seeing friends or family, losing your job, um, watching your job completely change in front of your eyes as things go virtual, getting a life-threatening disease or fearing that you will, having someone pass away. Um, and those are all things that were very common during the pandemic that can potentially be traumatic. So for some people, such high levels of prolonged stress can actually leave these like really deep and lasting psychological scars with the most extreme being post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. Yeah, or, or some type of, type of post-traumatic stress that lingers on. Um, and personally, it is very easy to not see it until it's pointed out to me. I didn't, I don't have it from COVID, but I had it from something else, but it was just kind of been an eye opener. And that's when it kind of clicked in my head. Wonder if there's PTSD associated with COVID when I started learning more about PTSD. And that's kind of how this episode came about. Yeah. Well, and I think what, you know, what you probably realize or in what I can confidently say you helped me realize is that it is another one of those, um, one let's call it a condition or whatever right um disorder obviously where some of the signs and symptoms can actually you know be like much more subtle than you might anticipate than like warranting that diagnosis of like, yeah. of PTSD remember 
I don't know if you remember, but like early in the fall, I kept telling you, like, I'm on the verge either of tears or rage. I remember like, it so clearly. Yeah. You were like, no matter what happens in my day, I am either like want to rage or I want to like burst into tears. Yeah. And things were calm at that point. So I couldn't figure out what was going on because yeah. yeah. So yeah. Anyway, if, if we're going to tell you kind of what signs and it are, um, there are, but Basically, what experts have said is that everybody on this planet has been traumatized in some capacity by this pandemic. Yeah. And it's not just the death and seeing people dying and hearing it all the time on the news. It, on top of that, it's that, but also on top of it, it is having your life totally turned upside down February 2020, you know, new work format, maybe some people losing their jobs, losing income, having kids at home, having to teach kids at home while you work, life just totally turning upside down. Yeah. And and while we've gotten some bits of normalcy back, like as the pandemic continues, and I actually was, you know, over the holidays, I was, you know, talking with family and I think it was my stepdad. He was saying that he had actually been reading something where now it's like more like going to be like an endemic instead of a pandemic, right? Because it's it's just going to like persist in our culture. Um, so in that sense, yeah. it, you know, it's it. Yeah, it. We've all been traumatized by it. Um, what I thought was kind was it, it was validating, I guess, for me, like when. You know, we found you had found some great stats, Carolyn, about how like, all right, so three in every 10 survivors of a COVID infection, like, you know, could have PTS or PTSD, about two in every 10 healthcare workers, which, by the way, you and I both agree is like an incredible, we think that's uh, underreported, like hugely. I think maybe they pulled people like in early 2020 for yeah. that one. But what they also found, and, and this was the part that I found so validating, is that one in every 10 individuals just in the general population have experienced PTSD symptoms during times of outbreaks. And that's so yeah. so I feel like just related to COVID. Yeah. And so I feel like that's the part where, um, you know, where it it's it really said to me, like, OK, like, you know, post COVID stress is very much a real thing regardless of how like closely affected you were by the virus yeah well I think it's because it has whether we know it or not it has impacted our nervous system so when we feel like we're in danger or our lives are turned up and down that's going to trigger that fight or flight response and that's a typical reaction your body's just have. It's so you can get away from that bear that's chasing you or Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Um, there are a lot of bears. Go in, in my quarantine, life. get your groceries and go quarantine, or you know. Yeah. But it is it's designed to keep you alive, but um it's not expect it's not supposed to continue on and on and on. And so what we don't necessarily realize is that there were changes to our nervous system going on and going on for an extended period of time. Um, and because of those changes, nearly everyone will experience some kind of reaction following, you know, once you kind of are able, your body's able to let go of that fight or flight response. And the other thing that's 
important thing to realize about the fight or flight response is there's no like your body doesn't say, okay, this is a baby threat. So let's do a baby response. This is a big threat. So let's do a big mama response. You know, there's only one fight or flight response. It's all or nothing. Right. It's on or it's off. It's not like, you know, let's just dial up the flame a little bit. Yeah. 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 So whether you were dealing with the death of a loved one or a loved one being sick or whether you were just trying to figure out how to work virtually, both of those trigger the same fight or flight response. And that's, you know, bubbling up under the surface and and continuing. And so you're going to have some long term effects once to your nervous system, once you finally kind of calm down or, you know, we probably all still have some of that. Yet we're trying to jump back into these routines and act normal. Right. Exactly. Like back to like our sense of normalcy slash, you know, social gatherings, especially this past holiday season. I mean, for a while we thought it was going to be like not isolated back to the norm. And then Omicron came, which I'm going to rant on that later. But well, let me give you just so kind of some symptoms. Um, I think I mentioned some symptoms earlier, but I want to show you this kind of breakdown that the National Institutes of Health gave um, for how to know if post-traumatic stress um, or or PTSD may be affecting you. So um, it says um, if you've had all of the following or something in each of these categories for at least a month, you've had one re-experiencing symptom, one avoidance symptom, to arousal and reactivity symptoms, to cognition and mood symptoms. Now, let me tell you what those are. Yeah, I was going to say, give okay, us some so, examples of that. Yeah. So one re-experiencing symptom, a flashback, reliving the trauma in your head. Um, it may be physical symptoms. It may be like a racing heart. It may be sweating. It may be waking up in the middle of the night. Um, bad dreams or frightening thoughts. Um, you know, if you had any of those, which we've all had in regard to COVID, um, you know, that's, that classifies as what, as a re-experiencing symptom. So you can check the box there. You've had at least one avoidance symptoms, um, and avoidance symptoms, um, staying away from places, events, or objects, avoiding thoughts or feelings related to the traumatic event. I mean, I think we've probably all in some capacity, you know, or we may just still be staying away from people because and we'll talk about this later, but kind of the re-entry anxiety. Yes. That would classify there too. Yeah. Okay. So check the box there. And the next one is two arousal and reactivity symptoms. So this is things like being easily startled, feeling tense. Maybe you don't know why, or carrying that tenseness, tenseness in your neck or shoulders, um, being on edge, difficulty sleeping, having angry outbursts, or just irritability, things like that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think probably a lot of people can relate to that. Um, and then the last one is having two cognitive and mood symptoms. Things in that category could be trouble remembering things, negative thoughts about yourself or about the world or, you know, about the country, um, distorted feelings like when it comes to guilt or blame, um, loss of interest in enjoyable activities. So when you, I just, I know that was long to go over, but to me, I was like, wow, this is 
you know, this relates to a lot more people when you look at it from this perspective. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, let's link that in the show notes just because I think it's a really great resource. But you're right. I'm, I'm like, when you're reading over those symptoms, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, for sure. Check the box. Check the box. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to realize that um, these can come and go, too. And there's no set time frame for you know, when, when it's going to happen, like six months later, you know, three months later, what, you know, there's no set time frame, and it can come and go. So, you know, Omicron may be a triggering event for some of these, yeah. the resurgence of, you know, or the surge in Omicron cases. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally get that. So we've talked about like what post-COVID stress disorder can look like. We've talked about the dumpster fire that was 2021. So there are a few other like signs and symptoms that you might see too that could indicate, you know, PTS, PTSD. So those would be things like, you know, changing to your eating patterns. Are you eating more? Are you eating less? Um, like, are you overindulging? Are you skipping, skipping meals and you have no appetite? Um, you know, is there either like a new or an increased substance abuse? And that, I mean, and that can be not just like alcohol or drugs, it could also be something simple like tobacco. Do you have like chronic health problems that are getting worse? Um, are, did you have a mental health condition before the pandemic and now you're finding that it's worsening um, or that you're like, you know, it, it's, um, it's not as under control as it had felt like it was previously. Like those are all signs and symptoms. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question because I know people are probably wondering. Let's say you're not drinking more than you did in 2020. <laughs> Let's say you just maintained that level. I'm going to guess that would probably be a sign. You should classify that as increased drinking. I would, would say, would yeah, I would say yeah. that that's because you... you just asking for a friend. Yeah, asking for a friend. Yeah, you because you like kicked it up a notch you know, maybe during lockdown and it's just coasted through ever since, you know, and now it's a part of life, but. I used it as a barometer, my glass of wine every night, two glasses, um, as a barometer to make sure I hadn't lost my taste and smell. I think that that's a really healthy way to do it. You know, you gotta, <laughs> the other thing you could do is you could, you know, stick your nose in something delicious, like a nice candle thank you barley thank you for that but i'm with you with the wine i'm with you (laughs) right there with you Mm -hmm. okay so how did we get here how did 2021 happen i mean i kind of when you look back or once we kind of looked back it kind of was the perfect storm of things yes it really was it was like it was like we thought that we were it was going to start to get better but really we had completely set up our mental health and our nervous systems for continued failure in that department. Yeah, because we, so we're going in, we went into 2021. And I think it's safe to say pretty much everyone was probably in the most fragile mental state they have been. Yeah, yeah. And whether whether you have a diagnosis of something or not, the just mental wellness, we were at our lowest. Yeah. And a big part of that stems from the fact that, like, you know, we are meant to, like, live and work and play 
in groups of people, not necessarily the same group of people 24-7, a.k.a., you know, you, me, and our kids. Your kids. Yeah. Um, My kids, yeah. And so it's like – so you're right. I mean, that in and of itself kind of beat everybody down. And then we launch into thinking that we're going to, like, quote, unquote, get back to normal. Yeah. Yeah, so we're already at this fragile state. Um, we the isolation and quarantine is still going on, and um, you know when I was reading it, a doctor that I was was quoted in an article said humans are hardwired to soothe stress by being around other people. We're meant to work, live, work, and play in groups, and huge parts of the brain and body are dedicated to connecting with each other. So still the quarantine and some of the isolation and just being, keeping your distance and, you know, for at least half the year for most people and then still being, you know, very mindful the rest of the year. Um, that didn't really help our mental wellness state. Um, and then on top of that comes in kind of this post-COVID stress or PTSD from COVID. Um, and I think that just kind of, oh, and then add in that we all thought we'd jump completely back into our normal routines. Right. It was just, uh, set up for disaster. Yes, exactly. And, and so there's like, there's that reentry anxiety, right? Then there's like that perpetual, like going back to social distancing, physical distancing, et cetera, et cetera. Like the whiplash of, like, we think we're fine, then it's Delta, then we think we're fine again, then it's Omicron. I mean, so, ongoing. Yeah. I mean, I still have to, I still struggle with the reentry anxiety. Like, it's just, you know, getting out and resuming stuff 100%. You know, I just, I don't know. Yeah, there are still. Not necessarily, and I'm not necessarily because I'm scared of COVID. Uh, I'm very mindful. But it's more just, um from being, you know, shuttered in for a year, you know, and kind of being having a, a large introverted part of me, you know, just getting back to 100% normal. Oh, some anxiety yeah. around that. There And there are still activities that I like straight up just don't want to do. Right. So. Right. Okay. okay. So what we have learned from this and what we can take from it, we're going to give you five things that you can take from this to make 2022 a very different year or make you able to maybe more resilient or better able to handle it the things that come your way in 2022 yeah and so, keep it from being a dumpster fire exactly <laughs> so that your overall outlook isn't like oh let's get this year over with too like you know like you said let's make it not let's make 2022 not a dumpster fire yeah yeah, yeah. okay so tip number one need to have a reality check on self-care basics and start implementing those. Yeah. And I, this is, go ahead. We're not talking just bubble baths here, okay? Although I have recently gotten into baths again because of an upcoming podcast we have on magnesium. But th I'll save that for another day. But still, it's not just about bubble baths or booking yourself a spa day or, you know, I don't know. It's also and not- this was the mom who just like gets to take a shower by herself. Like that's, no. that's not self-care either. 
this was really, I kind of had a light bulb moment about this um, myself this fall. Um, after, you know, when I was like, okay, so evidently I have PTS. What do I do? <laughs> and my therapist says, well, you need to focus on self-care. And I'm like, oh, don't tell me self-care again. You know, like, because I, my mind tended to go to massages and, you know, going on a trip and that kind of thing. And she looked at me and she said, what were your health habits like before all this occurred? And I was like, well, I worked out four to five days a week and a lot harder than I do now. And I really enjoyed it. And it really was, you know, a key part of my day and mental health um, and productivity. And, you know, I really ate, did a lot more meal planning and I ate a lot better than I feel like I'm eating now. And she's like, okay, that's where you start. And I was like, I never, I mean, that is self-care though. You know, you can't have it the is. other self-care if you don't focus on the basics. So yeah. this tip really kind of stemmed from kind of that light bulb moment with me. And I realized, you know, other people may have that same false view that it's these, you know, extravagant or indulgent things. And really it's just kind of some basic housekeeping you need to do for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And well, what I like about it too, is that because it really is like basic housekeeping, like to me, it's stressful to like plan a trip or plan a spa day, but it's a smaller thing to kind of check off the box and feel like I'm doing good for myself when I'm like, oh, okay, I am going to go to this workout class or I am going to make a dinner that I enjoy and, you know, that is healthy for me and my family. The other thing I feel like I really learned when I was going through my divorce was that I realized that part of what I needed for self-care was sometimes just like quiet downtime. And, you know, when I now when I feel like frenzied or stressed or, you know, I, I am very quick to rem, like try and remind myself like, OK, sometimes you just need like quiet downtime. Like you need to actually yeah. not plan anything and get everybody out of the house so that you can have a couple hours to just be. Yeah. I don't know if you know this or not. You may have done it intentionally or it may have been the latest um, Apple update on your phone, but you have notifications silenced from about 6 p.m. to 8 a.m., which I've been very proud of your boundaries, even if those were not unknowing. You, you unknowingly drew those boundaries. <laughs> yeah, I, def I definitely have my notifications silenced a lot more now. and it, But it shows, it alerts people, which I actually think is kind of cool. Yeah, I just say that because I had another friend um, who I was like, why, you know, I know she was waiting in a response for me. And I was like, why are they silent? So I let her know. And like, I have no idea. I didn't set these. And evidently, there's something in this new update um, where it, it, I call it something different. I have a new term for it. But it, it will automatically kind of apply what it thinks your off times are, usual, usually are. So anyway, huh. I didn't know if it was intentional or not. Well, normally it's intentional, but it normally starts later. So now I need to go back and look and be like, oh, it has me starting that early in the day. Whew. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I don't, evidently it didn't give me any. <laughs> I don't know. I need to go check. <laughs> I think you need to have a little conversation with Apple. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so second tip is have zero expectations, which hold on if you think it sounds Debbie Downer, just, just hear us out here. So 
if you instead, the thing about letting go of expectations is that you really just want to focus on what's in your control, right? There's so much in this world that we can't control, which I feel like actually COVID reminded us of that hugely. And so like Carolyn, when you really realized that in the spring that 2022 was just a big old dumpster fire, you shifted your perspective and you were like, you know what, I'm just going to roll with it. And there's like, there's this freedom in this way of thinking, like you had said, like, I know good things are going to come. It just helps me to be present. And then I can kind of just like work through those like horrible things that kept popping up. Right. And so what, like what you said, like you said it, you were like, all right, I feel like it's making me more resilient to deal with what's coming down the pike. Yes. And that, granted, this is coming from a type A person, um, you know, who likes to control everything. But I mean, I had to let go of that already some after 2020. But um, yeah, so at a certain point, I was just like, I have zero expectations for the year, which I really struggled. I kind of said it laughingly, but I really meant it. But I said it laughingly because I felt guilty because it sounds so negative. But it really, really helped me. I It wasn't that I thought bad things were coming. I mean, I knew they were first 2021. But I knew good things were too. And I just let go of any expectations. And it really allowed me to just roll with the flow of things, roll with things better, and actually be a little more present. Because you're not so busy. Yeah. Straight thinking about things. Um, and so I think I really credit that approach that I took back in spring to really helping me the second half of the year rolling with things better, like when mom had a heart attack or when our HVAC system went out and it was like one more expense for the year, huge expense for the year, you know. Um, so, you know, and I think it made me more resilient. Well, I I mean, the way that you talk about it, I think it totally did. And then when I kind of dug into resilience a little bit more, it it what the way that you put it was perfect because like to build resilience, you need to find a way to cope with stress in a positive way. And and that's what I read, you know, via Harvard and some others. And so when you when you have this when as you start to build resilience, it also gives you a little bit of a sense of control, right? Because you don't feel like you're at the mercy of all of these things that are happening. That then helps you feel more positive, which we'll talk about in a minute. But that whole concept then of reframing the situation and seeing that upside, that also helps build resilience. So the the like, and then there's the flip, right? Is if you don't have resilience, you're not necessarily going to handle stress as well when difficult things pop up. So big picture, the other benefits of resilience is not just in the moment, right, and preventing like a shit year, but resilience is also associated with longevity. So like living longer, um, it's associated with like lower rates of depression and just general like greater satisfaction with life on the whole. So your approach, Carolyn, was spot on. Your intuition is there. Even if it was my coping mechanism, you know, I, I do want to point out, this is not the same thing as saying, um, when we say have zero expectations, this is not the same thing as saying have no goals. Yes. Um, and I think goal setting is something else. This is just saying more 
have zero expectations for what life brings your way and roll with it. Yes. Like Will always says to me, he's like, just don't try to control things. Just just don't. You know, that that is part of my, you know, personality. I think it's part of like what comes to you when you become a mother too. But but he's always like, you know what, just just don't try and control things. Just stay in your lane. And I think that it gets at what kind of what you're saying. Like just don't have big expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number three, embrace the power of positivity. Riley, I know you looked into this song. You want to run with it? Yeah. So, okay. When you're embracing the power of positivity, the whole point isn't to like have this like positive outlook because you've literally like buried your head in the sand, which by the way, in 2022, there were times when I just said, I don't, I'm not looking at COVID numbers. I'm not thinking about it. I'm just staying in my little corner. 2021. Yeah. What year did I say? 2022. Oh Lord. All right. (laughs) Yeah. All right. But there were times, (laughs) there were times in 2021 where I did truly just want to bury my head in the sand, but being to like, to lean into positive thinking does not mean that you need to do that and ignore just the negative. It really just means that you're going to approach this like unpleasantness or this like bump in the road or whatever it is that is unenjoyable that you're experiencing in a more productive way. So you don't expect that there will be the worst outcome and you look at it through the lens of like, okay, I'm going to get through this. It's going to get better. That, you know, that kind of outlook on it. And so the thing is, is that it's not always easy to do that. Um, and one, I actually, I found one recommendation because I've heard a lot about like, oh, you can journal or write down what you're grateful for or, you know, um, which I don't undermine those things. I think they can totally be helpful. But what I liked was I liked like the very specific recommendation that I read from this one expert. And what she said was that, okay, so if you want to try and like really build your positive thinking and embracing positivity, you want to focus on three things that are going well and three things that you're grateful for. And I think that's like, that's kind of, you know, the I liked the part about like things that are going well, because just because it's going well doesn't mean you're grateful for it and vice versa. But um, yeah, that's so true. So and like, like resilience, there are benefits to being positive and they tend to overlap. So again, we're talking about like lower rates of depression, lower levels of distress, um, overall like better psychological and physical well-being. And then one that I thought was interesting was that when you really embrace positive thinking, apparently it's been shown that you can have a greater resistance to the common cold. Oh, yeah, based on immunity. Exactly. Huh. I need that. All right. Okay. Tip. Number four, revisit your goals from the end of 2020. I feel like towards the end of 2020, we were very tired of being cooped up. We were ready for normal lifestyles, but we all had very, we'd all taken things away from the pandemic or from the lifestyle that the pandemic has had forced us to live that we wanted to continue and take with us. 
Um, and I think a lot of that, like for, for working professionals and for parents, it was taking some of this life balance that we discovered that we knew we always needed, but we just had all these other things going on and we couldn't say no to those. Um, and, you know, I'm going to say like, I, I feel like we just kind of jumped, tried to jump straight back into life in 2021. And we forgot about those things that we realized were so important and that we were going to try to carry over. Maybe, you know, not saying don't continue, you know, activities or groups that you're in, but I'm saying, you know, you probably realized you didn't need to do all of those or your kids didn't need to do all of those right. yet. You know, as I, I talked, you know, in conversation, I've had a conversation in passing numerous times and, you know, with friends or, you know, moms I work with who said, you know, I swear I wasn't going to do this or I swear we weren't going to, you know, get back and be this busy again like we were before the pandemic, but they did. Yeah. And here we are. Oh, and we're still working from home. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what were those goals? What were those things you realized that you really wanted to carry over from, you know, being in quarantine, being working from home, you know, being a family at home um, that you really want to carry into your life going forward? Yeah. And figure out how you can do that. Yeah. And it may be like saying, maybe saying, okay, we're not going to participate in this or we're not going to, you know, we're going to cut back and that's okay. Totally agree. I think that like revisit what, you know, what those goals were, what you wanted and I mean, write them down and try and implement them in 2022. I still have to think about what mine are. Well, I feel like there was a lot of peer pressure, like everyone, no one wanted to get back to the level of activity or busyness that we had, but then it's like all of a sudden everybody did it and it was almost like peer pressure. I was, I, I remember thinking like, wait, what? I thought we weren't going to do this. It's true. Yeah. That's a really good point. Anyway. Okay. And the last one, refresh your bucket list. And, and yeah, part of this can be thinking back to what your 2020 goals were at the end of 2020. Um, so if you don't have a bucket list, create one or refresh it. We all have a new perspective. We all have new situations you know, aspects of our lives that are new or different. So refresh it and, you know, kind of gives you something to look forward to. And, you know, it's likely a lot of things may have changed for, which could be good things. It's true. Like there's some travel that was on my bucket list that now I'm kind of like, nah, you know, would I rather do something like, instead of like a fun getaway with like friends or Will or whatever, like, do I want to do like something now? that's more experiential with my kids in addition because you know I don't know my perspective has changed exactly so reality check on self-care have zero expectations embrace the power of positivity revisit your goals from the end of 2020 and refresh your bucket list that's how we're going to hope and make 2022 a better year not a dumpster fire. Right. 
Now, one other thing, um, it's never a bad idea to see a therapist or counselor if you feel like you have some symptoms we've men mentioned, or you may have any kind of mental, mental health condition. Um, and, you know, some of the, some of the key signs that you may want to see someone if you aren't already is when like symptoms or how your feelings starts to affect your work life or your relationships or your physical health, like in, in the form of headaches, tightness, tension, stomach aches, um, difficulty sleeping or concentration. So, you know, you know, and you don't even have to necessarily have those though to seek help. So we just wanted to put that out there. That's always a powerful tool. And in all the PTSD information we read that, cognitive behavioral therapy or talking to someone was always the very first thing mentioned. Yeah, it really can make such a big difference. And and absolutely, if you're going to do some reflection, now's the time to kind of figure out whether or not that would be helpful. Yes. Yeah. So I hope this hasn't been a downer episode. We really wanted people to take away the positives because it's going to, I feel like we can really going into 2022 with a different mindset kind of approach um, can really benefit us all, no matter what comes our way. Totally agree. Totally agree. And at the very least, let's just like hope that we're going to go with my favorite word, that our listeners feel validated in their negative feelings about 2021, if they have them. Yes. Yeah. So thank you everybody for listening. And um, we always love feedback. Don't forget to give it to us. Whether you loved, hated, or somewhere in between. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.